This is the Law of Grace as we are going through the book of Galatians. And uh, I want to, before we get into that, just uh, touch base with you guys. Um, I have a, a, a passion to see uh, what happens here uh, live beyond what happens here. In fact, another way to put that is I believe the value of what happens when we come together is what lives beyond it. And um, I've been teaching uh, in some sort of form and just kind of giving ideas and and communicating for about 14 years. And uh, through that time, I've really gone through really an evolution of who I am as as a teacher. Uh, But it's always been... Uh, with the desire to begin uh, conversations, uh, I I hope to uh, say something or illuminate something in Scripture that that makes you want to talk about it and have further dialogue with people that you know and love and and care about. That's why each week I, I write it going deeper with the hope that hey maybe you'll get together with some friends, uh, join a growth group, and and go, do the going deeper. Uh, uh, some other things that I'm starting to experiment with uh, is just trying to put out some tweets about what we're going to be talking about. And last week uh, during staff meeting, we talked about giving the law of grace, and we'll probably start doing this a, a hashtag on Twitter to give all of us an opportunity to kind of interact on on Twitter and just putting the hashtag law of grace so we can kind of dialogue about that and, um, and what's going on and hopefully expand that conversation. Another thing that we kind of played with a little bit last week and we're going to do it again this week is uh, after I'm done uh, kind of giving you guys hopefully a conversation starter, I'm going to invite Pastor Dan back up um, uh, I've asked him to kind of listen this evening with a community ear, just uh, to uh, maybe ask me some questions that you may have, and uh, just to kind of uh, build on that conversation and maybe give you guys some ideas of conversations you can have uh, with one another. So that's kind of where we're going uh, this evening. If you remember, four weeks ago, Pastor Eric started the series Um, talking about the book of Galatians. And I think the first thing that we learned was that the book of Galatians is not a book at all, right? It's a letter. It's a letter written by a guy named Paul who planted a church in Galatia. And he's really uh, upset about some things that has happened in the church that he had planted. If you remember uh, a few weeks ago, we found out what he was upset about Peter, who, you know, uh, the Apostle Peter, the guy who lopped off a guy's ear and denied Jesus three times, you know, that Peter, uh, that, that he had gone there and he was hanging out with these uh, uh, Galatians and, and, and having a great time and eating and everything. And then some uh, buddies of, of James, and uh, uh, the brother of Jesus actually, uh, had come and started criticizing Peter for hanging out with these Gentiles, these foreigners, and caused all of this conflict. And 
this week, we kind of get into the, the meat of, the, of the, the letter, where Paul really starts to ask some really good questions that I think are pertinent for us as followers of Christ in the 21st century, of really, how do we live in this tension between kind of the law and knowing that's there and that's kind of the standard, but also... Uh, receiving and, and holding on to this idea of grace. So if you open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3, that's where we're going to be picking up. And, and Paul, uh, in, in typical Paul uh, fashion, uh, just kind of goes right, right into it. And he's like, oh, foolish Galatians. Now, you know, the Galatians were uh, people, and I would imagine if uh, you received a letter or I received a letter and said, oh, foolish Mark, or something like that, uh, I'd be like, whoa. But apparently Paul had the relational right to kind of like speak those words, and, uh, you know, it's a different time. So, But he, he's building on something, and the next thing that he's asking is, who, who has cast a spell on you? And then he asks this really, really cool question. For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on a cross. And here, I love Paul is just such an amazing author and just wordsmith. And He's sitting there and he's painting a picture. He's like, man, you guys understood the atonement on the cross. You understood what Christ did and what that meant. It was so clear to you as if you were just looking at a picture of, of, of it. It's as clear to, it was as clear to them as this is as clear to you of, of what happened on the cross. And he goes on, he says, let me ask you this one question. And keep in mind this idea of this picture that's the clarity of the atonement of Christ on, on, on the cross. And he's like, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Remember the laws, the 613 laws of Moses. And basically, he's, he's saying, look, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you accepted Christ's free gift and his atonement? Or did you, did you experience it when you followed the 613 laws of Moses? And, and he follows that up. It's a rhetorical question. Of course not. Of course you didn't. He says, you receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be, right? Little tone added. And I love this next thing, this, this, uh, this, this next question. And it's so telling. After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing 
Surely it was not in vain, was it? I mean, it's a brilliant question, if you ask me. And it's a question that is relevant to the Galatian church as it is for many of us today. Basically, in Mark language, he's like, really? You, you accepted and understood Christ's sacrifice on the cross so you could be free from the law. What's the law? Well, we know that the, the wages of sin is death. That the law is, you know, the law is this, this idea of, of if you break the law, there is punishment. This is, you know, just in every part of our culture, we understand this. And we understand that there are certain, certain laws. And he's saying, look, you understand that the law means if you are found guilty, which we all are, that you will be put to death. But you know what? You were freed from this law by what Christ did. So why the heck are you putting yourself back under the law when, and what you've been freed from? And, and this can be on so many different levels for us, right? Like, we could even say, you know, just kind of like in a financial sense about debt, Anybody ever been in debt here? I have. Debt stinks. Debt gives you anxiety. Debt is oppressive. We all know that. And, and you know, it's, being in debt, once you get into debt, you try to desperately get out of debt. So why the heck, what, you know, why would you, once you got out of debt, if somebody came in and helped you out and got you out of debt, why would you put yourself back into debt? Why would you go like a dog back to its vomit, right? This is essentially what he is asking. That's essentially what, what the Galatians are being pulled toward. And you know, it happens again and again and again that, that followers of Christ, I see it so many times that they're freed from their debt. They're freed from the law and they're so excited and they're so happy and, and they, they've accepted Christ's forgiveness. But after a while, little voices, little whispers are, are chirping in their, their ear and saying, you know, Christ's free gift is good, but what about this and what about that? And it slowly pulls us back in to a place that we had been freed from. And as we learned last week, that when we do that, when we allow ourselves to be pulled back into the law, that we are rendering Christ's sacrifice as meaningless. So, we continue on here in, in verse 5. He says, I ask you again, just in case, you know, you foolish Galatians didn't get it, right? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. This idea of, of miracles and experiencing miracles in our life, this is a real hot button for me. To me, I signed up to be a follower of Christ because 
I didn't want to experience the ordinary. I wanted to experience the extraordinary. I wanted to experience things that, that I could not experience on my own. I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. I wanted to be part of the narrative of God. And I wanted to live beyond the natural life and to experience the supernatural. And what Paul's writing here is, did, did you experience the supernatural? Did you experience the extraordinary when when you obeyed the law? Of course you didn't. And this is why. Because if you can go back and look at anything in your life and say, I did this, it's not a miracle. Right? I mean, if, if you, you know, uh, do something and, and, you know, one of like kind of my my ears perk up when I hear a certain kind of Christian phrase or Christian language. Did you know Christians have a language of their own? They do. We do. And uh, one, of the, one of those phrases is, I'm going to do this for God. Have you ever heard that? You ever been in church for any length of time? You know, we're going to do this for God. And I get that language and I understand what most people mean by that. I'm not criticizing the language, but there's a danger in that. You see, we can do for God and saying, you know what, I, I am doing it out of, out of, out of love and, 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 and out of the abundance that I've experienced. But also, it's very easy to, to move over into the territory of, I'm going to do for God because I don't believe God's going to do it for me. And that becomes a very dangerous place. In fact, one of the most scary things, and a lot of church planners will say, you know what, I am going to build, a, you know, a great church. In fact, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to grow this and build this great church for God. You know what the biggest danger about that attitude is? You might succeed. And then you're left with the best church that man could build or woman. And that is not why we signed up to be followers of Christ. I tell you what, I signed up, you know, when Jesus told his disciples, you know what, you're going to do things not as great as me, but greater. That your influence and your love and, and the impact that you are going to have, th me through you is going to be so much greater than, than what you have seen in me. Really? That is exciting. That, that we are going to be able to be part of something extraordinary because the truth is that we can do ordinary all day long. We can do ordinary without God. You don't need ordinary to, to experience, you know, the mundane. You don't need God to experience the regular or the normal or the natural, but you do need God if you want to experience the extraordinary or the supernatural. He continues on 
And he says this, in the same way, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. And really, the real miracle of grace is freedom from the law. Now, I think it's pretty interesting that Paul's interjecting Abraham here. And I think of this, you know, traditionally we've, we've been fed this kind of New Testament gospel, but, but the reality is that the gospel, and we've talked about this a lot um, over the past year or so, the gospel is bigger than the New Testament. That the gospel was originally given to Eve, and uh, when she was told that one was going to come through her, that, that would crush this sin truck crushed the law. It was also given to Abraham. If uh, you continue in verse 8, it says, what's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news. God proclaimed the gospel to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. And the reality is that Abraham's gospel is the same good news as Jesus Christ. And I think this is important for us as, as followers of Christ to understand that this, the good news of Abraham, the good news of Eve, the good news of the Old Testament, the good news of Israel is the same good news as Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the manifestation of that good news. And the gospel, the good news about salvation and being freed from the law has been given for thousands and thousands of years. He continues on in verse 10. And I got to tell you, this next section of Scripture has kind of wrecked me all week. Because uh, it, may, it brought me down a path that, that really made me think, and I'm going to walk through this a little bit with you. And uh, I don't expect you to agree with me of where I landed, but uh, hopefully, again, this will be a conversation starter. Verse 10, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in God's book of the law. Then he continues on, So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has right life. Now, stay with me for a second here. Okay, the gospel, the good news was given to Abraham, right? That, that, they, that, that the, the law of death by, because of sin, the wages of sin is death, given that that, that was going to, that he, through him, his seed, that we were going to be freed from, from that penalty. But the reality is that 
Abraham was saved and counted as faithful, not because of the law of Moses. How can I say that with such divinity? Well, Abraham was born before Moses. There was no law of Moses when Abraham was walking the earth with his sheep and all that kind of stuff. That, that it was by faith that, that Abraham was made right. So here we have this, this understanding that, that the law is, is put in place and we understand that the law of Moses was put in place to show us how and what we would have to do in order to be righteous. But Paul's saying, look, none of us can do that. Now, here's where the real mind bender for me came in and I had to struggle. Was uh, if you turn to your Bibles in, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking about the law as well. And he makes some statements and on its surface, it sounds like Jesus is preaching a different gospel than Paul. Paul's speaking about the gospel of grace, right? Through Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus says. Don't misunderstand why I've come. Okay, good start. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No. I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, and this is where we get into kind of a problematic scripture here, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So, if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to pause there really quick. What is the punishment for not uphold, like upholding the understanding of the law? Being the least in heaven. Not death, but being the least in the kingdom of heaven. This is not a relational kind of hand grenade here. This is talking more about reward in the presence of God rather than being allowed to be in the presence of God. So there, there's the first point. Let's uh, continue on. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. In verse 20, this is very important. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So here we circle back around and Jesus is saying, look, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. And the law is going to be in place until it accomplishes its purpose. And just to let you know, you know what, the law has nothing to do with, with your uh, uh, invitation to be in relationship with me for eternity. But it, uh, and then furthermore, just to let you know, if you think by upholding the law, if you want to get into heaven and, and to be part of, of my family on your own merit, you are going to have to be holier and more righteous than 
all the laws and the prophets. So what was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was to show us what the standard is, what the standard of perfection is. But the understanding that both Paul and Jesus were saying and preaching the same gospel, which was Jesus. Jesus preached himself. Paul preached Jesus in saying, you know what? It is through grace that we are made right with God and it is through the atonement of the sacrifice on the cross. And this all became really clear to me this, this week, actually. I was in a growth group and we were talking about last week's uh, conversation starter and, and the kind of the seeds of this idea came up. And then when I really got into the scripture this week, it all kind of came together. Now, I've been married for almost two decades. And I've learned a lot about relationships over those uh, past uh, uh, 20 years. And I wanted to share with you kind of my understanding of, of the difference between the law and grace and relationship and purity of relationship based on, on my interaction with my wife. Um, and this is basically 20 years of conversations and, and missteps distilled down into kind of like one conversation. And this is basically, it's repeated itself time and time again in my life. I'll be sitting at home and, and doing my thing, you know, and I've been there for a few hours and had a few snacks and, and maybe change clothes and, and brush my teeth, you know, just kind of stuff like you do when you're at your home, right? Just kind of hanging out and, you know, kind of a mess happens because, because, you're there and you're, you're interacting. And I'll be sitting there and I'll be writing something or, and uh, I'll hear the garage open. And I'll be like, look around the house and my eyes will get big. I'm like, oh, crud, my wife's home. So I start running around and like throwing dishes under a rug and, you know, picking up the underwear off the floor and, you know, scrubbing the, and, you know, you know how much can you really get done between, you know, wifey, coming in the garage and getting into the house. Not much, but, you know, we try, or I try. And this is, this is what happens. I tr think I can, like, distract her by, like, friendliness and, and love and kisses. And she'll walk in. I'll be like, hey, honey, bunches of oats or whatever, and uh, give her a hug and kiss. I'm like, oh, how was your day? I, I loved you so I love you so much. I missed you and everything. And, and She'll like give me a kiss and then she'll walk in. She'll start looking around. Mm -hmm. And then I notice something because I'm perceptive male. Uh, she's being cold to me. I don't know why. I just smothered her with love and kisses and everything and, and told her I love her and everything. And she like kind of walks around the house. And I, I notice that, that she's getting distant and colder and colder. And finally, I, I'm like, What's wrong, honey? And she'll say, "What? You knew I was coming home. What? Why didn't you? Why didn't you put your your dishes in the in the dishwasher? And and why didn't you? Why didn't you do this and and that? And I was like, oh, you know, I, you know, I forgot. 
And she's like, okay. And then I did this once. And for you guys who aren't married yet, guys, listen to me. Don't ever do this. This is free. This is a free bit of advice right here. You know, this is me talking to Shannon. Shannon, the light of my life, you're so beautiful. You know, if you would just write down a list of what you want me to do so I can make sure they're done by the time you get home, then it'll be great. Like, ladies, right? Wrong thing to say. And this is what I, the feedback that, that I've, I've put together. If you loved me and cared about me, I wouldn't need to make a list. And I go, aha, coming back to the Scripture here. I believe God is the author of all relationships. God did not change the rules of relationships for us and one another and us and Him. And perhaps the law is not about being made right with God at all. Perhaps really what God wants for us is to remove the relational boundaries so we can connect with one another. I'm doing a wedding next week, and I've done tons of, tons of weddings. And, and I was thinking about this. I don't think that I've ever been to a wedding or performed a wedding ceremony where the vows were details like, I promise that I will pick up my underwear. Or I promise I will put the dishes away or things like that. What are wedding vows usually like? I will honor you. I will respect you. You know, I, I, will, I will do everything to, you know, keep you from harm. Things like this. And the reality is, I love my wife very much. But sometimes I get lazy and selfish. And the reality is, if I truly did care and want her to be happy and fulfilled, I know the things that I need to do. And it really speaks more about myself and just who I am and where I am than uh, and not doing those things to honor her and respect her than it does about her. And I think that God and the law is exactly kind of the same thing. That God isn't looking for us to check off 613 laws and make sure that, that we're, you know, adhering to them. That what God wants is us to relentlessly pursue Him and open up our lives to have Him speak into us. And the idea here is very similar to, to just us in our normal relationships. We can spend all our time 
in fear, essentially, trying to check things off a list. Or we can spend our time trying to love and respect and bring glory to God. And I think ultimately, when we look at the tension between law and grace, the law might be just, it might be valid, these, these things. But what it really comes down to is not if we've checked the things off the list, but if we have relationally connected with God. Because I know that, you know what, what you know, if, if we said, what makes a good marriage? None of us would say doing the dishes, picking underwear up off the floor, keeping the counters clean. We would say, honor, love, and respect. And if we just, if, if a marriage was that, you would just, you know, have a maid service, right? If, if being a follower of Christ was, was just keeping a bunch of rules and regulations, that's all there would be to it. But that's not the point. And I think that that's what the cross screams to us is that God loved us so much that, that he didn't want us to be bogged down and spend all our time in the pursuit of trying to check off a list of righteousness. He wants us to pursue him and having a right relationship with him and out of the abundance of, of having a relationship with him, be able to have a healthy relationship with others. Let me finish with these last two verses, and then I'm going to invite Pastor Dan up. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing. For it is written in the Scripture, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And really, there we have it, is that Christ rescued us from the curse of the law. And being rescued from that curse gives us now the opportunity to not try to live a life of trying to be good enough, but to spend our lives trying to build our relationship and, and knowledge and understanding of a supernatural God. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, I just... Um, I know so many of us vacillate between the law and, and grace and freedom in you and, and uh, uh, trying to be good enough or, or earn some sort of righteousness. God, I just pray that, that you will give us the right perspective, that we will relentlessly pursue you and what you want for our life. And that I believe wholly when we do that, that all these other things will fall into place. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, Pastor Dan. Thanks. Hey, good, good job. Thank you. Good job. It was very clear. Very clear. Yeah.
So um, uh, I was just kind of focusing on uh, everything started kind of flowing to me out of the, the whole foolishness. Yes. Foolish Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians. Yeah. And um, I guess I, I was thinking back of when I was very, very young in my faith and some of that foolishness. I remember when I w- whenever I would, I would sin or, you know, I, I did something I was identified as like, hey, this is not really what God wanted me to do. I've been... Um, I would kind of live in that foolishness by punishing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there would be times when, you know, I do something and then, like, I wouldn't talk to God for, you know, three days. And and just kind of living in that space. And um, and then, like, three days later, I, I would I would be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I... God, God can love me now because I, because I've been apart from Him. You know, I've, I've, I've separated my ugliness from who He is. You know, or whatever it is. Um, and I, I realized that, like as you were, as you were talking about that, like that was a very thin, that was obviously it was obvious that I didn't have a clear picture of who Christ is. Mm-hmm. You know, so what are some ways that that we can bridge the gap? What are some ways that we can, you know, if that picture isn't clear? If I'm, if I'm still just kind of entrenched in I have to do, what are some ways that I can uh, bridge the gap? Or maybe so what, what are some of the right questions that I can ask um, to kind of come to the revelation like that this system I'm living in is broken? Yeah. I mean, I think it really, you know, when, whenever I hear stories like that, and I, I hear them a lot, obviously, uh, uh, when people you know, mess up or whatever, uh, or feel like they've disappointed God or, or, or something like that, uh, their, their response is, okay, I'm going to, you know, not go to church or I'm not going to talk to God. I'm not going to pray and everything. And I always, you know, if you could take anything away today, if we could change our, our thought patterns to like, Putting the same relational rules on God that 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 we have with one another, and like, let me turn this back around. Like in that in that scenario, you know, if you if you uh, hurt Renee, you know, you said something, or you know, kind of sinned against Renee in in the Christian vernacular. Renee's my wife. I know. <laughs> Just, just I didn't just arbitrarily just pull it. Making sure they know. Oh, they know. Okay. Yeah. There's people listening to us. That's kind of rude. Uh, eavesdroppers. Bunch of Facebook stalkers. Probably. <laughs> Facebook stalkers. Aw. <laughs> so, well, back to what I was talking about. Um, yeah, this idea that, that it would be a good idea to hide from Renee and not talk to her for three days and then come back to her, how would that play that's, out? That's not going to work very well. No, it's yeah. not going to work out well at all. Yeah. And But for some reason, we think hiding from God, and, and I mean, everybody's done it. Adam and Eve did it, right? I mean, right. that's kind of like this uh, this idea, but but, you know, the healthy thing to do is with people or God is if, you know, if I wrong you, you know, to go to you and ask for your forgiveness, right? And, and, then, and then try to pattern my life to not wrong you again. And uh, I, I think that's one of the most practical things that we can do is, is look at our relationship with God uh, 
in in a sense the same way as we look at a relationship with one another since yeah. he is the author of relationships yeah uh, it's interesting. I mean, I think we, we definitely do that. We, we make different rules for our relationship with other people uh, than we do for God. Um, I, when you were talking, I was thinking about kind of Romans chapter 7, you know, like I, I want to do the right thing, but I still end up doing the wrong thing in mm-hmm. this quest for, for righteousness. Um, and, and a lot of times, I mean, I think we're following we're following what we think is right following our hearts mm-hmm. you know like uh, there, there's even whole you know there's mantras out in our culture you know just just follow your heart you know let your heart lead you you know that's gonna that's gonna that's some people's subjective form of truth mm-hmm. you know um but what what i see in that is is like this heart issue so um how how do, how do we change our hearts i mean how, how do we deal with the the real issue with which isn't the surface um but how how do we go about this process of heart change when it comes to grace? And if I'm understanding you correctly, I, I would answer that, that question, you can't. You can't change your heart. Our hearts are our hearts for a reason, right? Uh, uh, that's our, our, you know, our natural bent. Like I... Uh, some people are born angry, and that's their heart, or selfish. I think everybody's born selfish, um, uh, or greedy, or or something like that. And I think if that's really the supernatural kind of uh, effect of God is is uh, because of of Christ's pursuit of us. And I know it makes us feel uncomfortable to even kind of use those kind of words, but I mean that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. He came to us because we couldn't come to him. Right. We f- couldn't fulfill the law. That, uh, that we, uh, that through that supernatural interaction that, that we are changed. It's, it's like when we are around people who make us better than we are by ourselves. When we are by ourselves, especially me, uh, I start to, uh, uh, gravitate back to my dark nature. But when I'm around people who are serving and giving and generous, I become, more, I become a better server, I become more generous and, and giving. Mm-hmm. And I think when we connect with God who is love, when we connect, the closer we connect with the purity of God and His love, the more loving we become by extension. And, and I Honestly, it's a miracle, right? Uh, uh, because we've all seen people and we've all said, you know, we have in our vernacular, they'll never change or people don't change, which people don't change unless there's a supernatural uh, intercession in their heart. And I personally believe that that is, that is done through a personal relationship with Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Good. I'm well, glad you believe that. Okay. Good pastor. I guess the, the the final thought I had, I was just thinking, you know, I've I've experienced similar things like with you and Shannon, you know, where Renee comes home and I like look at the clock and I, I realize I have just a few minutes and try to kind of squeeze in an hour's worth of cleaning in mm-hmm. about nine minutes, you know. Um, You're better than me because of because of. <laughs> Because of fear, you know, uh, I, there, and, and I see that in a lot of, of our lives. I have conversations where people, uh, one of their greatest motivations are these different fears, yeah. you know. Um, so 
in, in this whole process, you know, uh, Jesus is our hope. So how, how do, can we tangibly start addressing these fears and, and what is it that's going to help change the way that we feel? Well, I, I, I think it comes down to really um, this idea that uh, we're told there's no condemnation in Christ and by accepting his free gift of the atonement, what he did on the cross, you know, the picture, that we have this idea that, that we can boldly go in front of God and, 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 and that idea. And uh, in ancient times, uh, when you came into the presence of a king, that the proper posture was to have your head down and uh, and what would happen, you would go and it, up to the king, and if they would accept you, they would put their, their finger under your chin, and they would lift up your head. And that meant that you are accepted, or your head would be chopped off with a sword. Either way. Uh, uh, but this idea that because of Christ that we can boldly go in front of God and, and we know that God is going to lift up our head and it doesn't matter uh, if we up- upheld, you know, 613 or, or, or just one law because we are all totally reliant on, on the grace of God. So... I mean, I think of that just resting in that truth that if we go to God, that he will lift up our head. It's good news. Good. You want to pray? Sure. Cool. Father, we thank you so much for your presence with us. And uh, Lord, we just, we just acknowledge that we're people that are desperate for your grace. We're people that don't measure up. We're people that are not good enough. Um, and it is good news that we don't have to be. We ask, Lord, that you would give us a keen awareness of your grace um, and that that would be something that refines us. Uh, even as you tell us that the law is good and that none of the law is going to pass, but all of the law is going is to stand and serve its purpose, Lord, that you would live through us by the power of your spirit, Lord, that you would teach us to be a reflection of your holiness and your righteousness and your justice and your mercy, your compassion, your grace. Lord, that all of these things would flow through us. Your goodness, Father, would, would be revealed in us. That we would be able to glorify you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.